learning for us. We all have uh, different decisions that we're facing. They probably fall on some kind of spectrum, whether you're going to use sugar or go straight with the iced tea or caffeinated or decaf. You know, some some of those decisions don't make a lot of difference in our lives, like which socks we're going to wear. But uh, some people might think you have really bad taste. If I I were to wear red socks with this blue outfit, that wouldn't go well. But it doesn't really have a lot of impact on my life. You know, we're, we're talking in this series I'm starting today on the essentials for getting guidance for God in the decisions that really matter. There are, there are decisions that make a big impact on our life. And there's, there's a continuum from almost no impact to a tremendous amount of impact. So as we're facing these decisions and, um, you know, after you get my age and your life settled, uh, the, the personal decisions that I have to make don't, don't make a lot of immediate impact on my life, but, but some of them make a, a tremendous amount of impact over the long haul. And so the, the decisions that we face are important. And I, over the years, uh, I've learned that I can trust God to give guidance. To me when I need it. Um, I, in fact, I find much peace in knowing that God will speak to me about the decisions that I face. I, I, I've actually learned not to trust myself so much, but really to lean on him because he, he can be, uh, this is, and I'm not comparing him, when, you, when you're lost or when you need direction, these, these GPS systems are great in cars where you can just punch in an address and, you know, the satellites up here sees the whole picture and can, can guide you where you need to go. I, I don't get that. I don't know how the little voice, you can make it a man or a woman voice on the thing. I don't know how that works. But um, the reason it works is because the satellite has a view up here. Well, God is looking at our lives from start to finish. He has an overarching view and I've learned, and I take much comfort in the fact that he's willing to speak to me about the decisions that I have to make. He's willing to, to give me a word and give me direction. Uh, he does that through his word, through the Bible, and also through the Holy Spirit. He, he, he gives his leadership to us. So we're going to look at that over the next four weeks. What are the essential things that I need to make these decisions. And it's going to be a while before we get to the, the listening guide because I've, I've added a couple things in this morning in the first service. I added a couple things in on the spot. So now I, I'm expecting that I'm going to add them in. So I'm letting you know that this is still introductory material. But if you dig into the scripture, you find out that Jesus wants to give us abundant life. Now he says this, he says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. So Life to the full is what that means. He, he, he's come to give us the best kind of life that we can possibly have. He makes this statement in the middle of a, of a conversation, in the middle of some teaching about him being the good shepherd. So he's comparing and contrasting the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy the sheep. But the good shepherd guides his sheep to what they need, to protection, to the best place for them. 
That's what he's promised to do. He's promised to give us this guidance to the best kind of life. And these questions that, that we face, and, and we're all at different stages. You know, some of us trying to decide whether or not, you know, whether, whether, uh, where we should go for college. Some, who we should date, who we should marry, who, who uh, what kind of job we should do, where we should live, where we should, some thinking about where we should retire, um, how to, how to take care of our parents. Some have been thinking, should I go out to help start this new church? In Riverside, we, we've got these decisions that are that are going on in our hearts and minds, and we need to hear from God. So we're going to look at how you know when God's speaking. We're we're talking about that um, today. We're looking at the first essential, which is a devoted heart. It's the first thing that you need to have if you're going to get guidance from God. Following God is counterintuitive. We were born, and when we're born, because of decisions that were made a couple of centuries, you know, several, a couple of millennia ago, at least, um, <clears throat> because of those decisions that were made, our hearts are wired a certain way. So there's some things that are in our hearts that make following God seem backwards to our natural instincts. And there are three things the scripture says that are embedded in our hearts that make this, this so. It's, it's kind of like steering a ship. If you drive a car, and you're used to driving a car, you drive a car from the front wheel. So if you want to go left, you turn the wheel left. That makes sense. If you want to go right, you turn the wheel right. Well, if you're steering a ship... And this is going to sound like I know what I'm talking about. I really don't. But if you're steering a ship, you steer the ship from the stern. Doesn't that sound cool? I, I've never wanted to be a sailor, but it sounds like I know way more than I do. But you steer a ship from the stern, the rudder's in the back. And so if you want to go left, you turn the rudder right. That, that is counterintuitive for me. I haven't done that very much. And if I were to do that well, I would have to work on it over time. So... Anyway, following God is like learning to write with the wrong hand in some ways because of these, these three things that are embedded in our hearts. The first one, Scripture says, in Hebrew, it is eveleth. And eveleth means um, that basically I want my way. I, I, am, I want what I want. I want to get my way in different situations. That, that's embedded in our heart. Proverbs 2, uh, 22.15 says, that that is, is there. And a, a parent's job is to train that out of their kids. That's, a, that's our assignment as parents, if you're a parent, is to train the folly, that word is a veleth, out of our children. Another thing that's embedded in our hearts is called hallelah. Hallelujah means praise the Lord, because yah, yah, Yahweh at the end means God. But hallelah means to, to praise yourself, to exalt yourself in different situations. So there's something in our hearts that wants to be the most important thing that's considered in any situation, even any decision that we're trying to make. So it, it rears its head as and it and it's the opposite. God wants us to put our hearts on him and pleasing him in situations. So this makes following God a little difficult. The final thing that's in our hearts is Ra, R A in the Hebrew and it means um, e- e- harm or evil. It means 
that basically it goes like this. I want what I want. I deserve it. And I don't, if I have to, I'll hurt you to get what I want. Now, you may not punch somebody or take them out, but you, you might give them a cold shoulder or you might make them pay emotionally somehow. You might yell at them or whatever, run them over to get your agenda. Well, these things make following God counterintuitive. It's like steering a ship. If you drive a car all the time, steering a ship, you know, you're, the first few times, I'm sure you're going to go the wrong direction because if to go left, you're going to pull the rudder left and then you're going to end up going right and your mind is, wow, I got to get this figured out. That's what it's like following God. You commit your life to follow Christ and in a way, God begins to work with you to help you undo your thinking and some of the patterns that you have built in that are ingrained from the way your heart is wired because of this decision that was made a long time ago to walk away from God. Those things are left there. The fact of the matter is, as we go about making decisions, God made reality, and he will not bend it to fit your wants. He, he will not. He made reality. He is real. And so if you're going to follow God, you have to be the one that's flexible. So the condition of your heart and the place of your heart is very, very important. To get the decision right, your heart has to be right. There's no way around that. So when you have a decision to make, you want to get your heart in the right place and focus on the right things. Because God is God. He made you and I. And He made reality. And to follow Him, we have to learn His ways. His thoughts, we have to understand, which are much higher than ours. And He shares them with us. But still, it's, it's hard for us to, to, to figure out sometimes because it's so backwards. So, if you're, if you're on your way, in fact, you're just considering what it means to follow Christ, you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, today what you're going to learn is you're going to learn some things that will really be helpful you, for you in your decision-making process. Because there are some things that we're talking about that for a believer to get guidance from God, for a Christian to get guidance from God, have to be in place. And for a non-believer to hear from God and to to find out that he's real, they have to be in place as well. So as we talk, this, this is going to be helpful for, for all of us, I think. First thing is, first important statement is, God guides those who trust him with their whole heart. The passage there, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I went to a Christian high school. I was raised in a family who uh, followed Christ. My parents were very involved in church life. And so I went to a Christian high school, and in my class of 90, the 90 people who were in my graduating class, if you were to ask them what their favorite verse was, there's a good chance this verse is going to pop up. They're, they're going to quote this verse for you, especially the closer you get to graduation. You know, you're hanging on like, oh, no, you know, what do I do next? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know, we cannot live without faith, and we can't make decisions without faith. But what we tend to do is we come to, to Christ, and we find out God wants to guide us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to give us direction about our lives, and he wants to help us with decisions. And so then we, we think, okay, show me the formula that I need 
to get to make the right decision. So give me the steps. I just want to know the steps. I'll do the steps. One, two, three, four. I'll pray the, the right prayers. I'll say the right words. I'll memorize the right verses. I'll quote the right verses. Whatever it takes, just give me the formula that will spit out the right decision, the right answer, the guidance that I need. And what you find out in Scripture is God doesn't give us a formula. He, he does not give us a formula. What he gives us is he gives us himself. And so as we make decisions, there's this dynamic that includes a right relationship with the living God. We, we need to have a relationship with him. We need to know how he thinks and what he thinks and what's on his heart as we make decisions. And so as, as we go about making the decisions, it's crucial to have your heart in the right place. And there are a couple indicators in this verse that show us what it means to trust God with all our heart. We can't do it without faith. Frankly, I am a rut person. I would love to be able to just live life. Just show me what to do. Show me what to say. Give me the boxes to check every day. I would just love to do that. In a way, it would get kind of boring after a day or so. But there's a part of me, okay, there's a part of me that would like to do that. I've never done that kind of thing. But I, there's a part of me that would like to just check off the boxes, show me what they are, show me what i got to do, and then spit out the right answer so I get the guidance from, from you. Tell me how to do it. But it has to do with our relationship with him. Here are the indicators. We trust God with our whole heart when we don't rely on our own insight. We have to unlearn some things in getting guidance and understanding God's way of thinking. God's thoughts are higher than ours. In fact, not only are our hearts wired in a way that makes it counterintuitive to follow God, but our very culture is going the wrong way. And away from God, our cultures, the way that our culture, the things that are valued, in our society and really in cultures throughout the world, the things that are valued in this world are upside down from the things that are important to God. So like things like status and the money and the possessions that would give you status are very important to us. And, and these have a tremendous amount of impact as we go about making decisions. If we give in to those values, um, if status is important and you're trying to to figure out who you're going to date or who you're going to marry, you might not be looking for a husband or wife. You're looking for a trophy. You're looking for someone that you can show off. They're right here. You know, hey, look at them. They're with me. You know, pretty, pretty good, huh? I did all right for myself. That can throw you way off. So that's that's somewhat extreme exaggeration of the case, but relying on your own insight can get you in trouble when you're trying to hear from God. So, uh, for instance, you're thinking about your career. When you talk to a little child, uh, they usually say they want to be something uh, that has a lot of status attached to it, uh, like a major league baseball player, football player, basketball player, whatever. Uh, we value that, or a doctor, lawyer, nurse. I mean, different different things that... They think are important. You hardly ever hear a young guy say, oh, I'd like to be a coal miner. 
unless his dad's a coal miner, and then that's important to him. You know, that's cool. You know, I want to be that. I wanted to be an electrician for a while. My 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 dad was an electrician. I thought that was cool. But anyway, we we choose paths because we want status. So we we tend to think, and if you carry that on out, you may choose a career that's going to make you miserable. You may choose a husband or a wife that's going to make you miserable. You may choose a career that makes you miserable just because you're looking at the wrong things. You're relying on your own insight. You're trying to do what makes sense to you and what the culture supports. And so you make decisions based on your native reflexes, and you find out, oh, no, they were all wrong. I've got to live with this trophy. This trophy can't carry on a conversation. I mean, they they treat me like dirt. This trophy has turned into a monster. And same thing with your career. You get into a career and you've, you've pursued this because maybe somebody wants you to do it. Maybe it looked like a glorious thing to do when you started out on the pursuit. But you find out you hate this job. I, I can't stand this. And it's all because you were relying on your own insight. You didn't check with God who made you and knows you and can give you the guidance you need to do exactly what he wants you to do. He can help you choose the person who will bring blessing to your life over the long haul, whom you can partner with and team up with in your life. So this is an indicator. You don't rely on your own insight. The older I get... Now, if you'd asked me when I was younger um, whether or not I would trust my decision-make ability more and more as I went on, I would have said, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You get more experience in life. And there, there is a sense in which I do, but I don't necessarily trust my own thinking. I need God's word. I need to know what he thinks about any particular situation because my perspective is extremely limited. I can only see so much. God can see the big picture. And he has promised to give me insight. He's promised to share his guidance with me. He's promised to, to, to give me a word about the decisions that I have to make. There is a lot of peace in that. There is a lot of comfort in that. But I can't rely on my own insight if I expect him to guide me. The second indicator is that we acknowledge him in all our ways. You know, we cannot bend reality to fit what we want or to fit our purpose. God won't bend to do what we want. It's important to include him in our lives. If you're acknowledging God in all your ways, then you're recognizing his place. As you live your life, as you get up in the morning, you go about your day, you're thinking, what would God want? How does he want me to invest here? How would he like for me to treat the people around me? What decision would be best for his purpose and for his glory? What you're, you're, you're including him in your thoughts and in the way you go about your life. In fact, if, if you don't acknowledge God in your ways, you create static in the lines of communication between yourself and him. So we're going to look at some heart commitments that bring clarity. Now, I, I'm, I don't know if this is because I'm old or my hearing is going bad early. I'm not quite sure why this is, but I don't like to have a serious conversation on a cell phone. I was, I was having a conversation 
either yesterday or the day before, I, the call dropped three or four times. It was frustrating. I'm trying to have this conversation. Boom, got to call him back. The call drops. They're static. You hear about every third or fourth word on the on the cell phone. It can it can be frustrating. It can drive you crazy. Well, if you don't have these commitments in your heart, then they're static. There's a bad connection between you and God, and you're the one that dropped the call. He hasn't moved. You know how you you find out after you get a cell phone, you're with a certain company, and you find out where the dead spots are. I mean, I even say sometimes, well, I'm coming up to a dead spot, I'll call you back in a minute if it drops. And you get, you get used to that. Um, well, if you're not hearing from God, you're the one that's in a bad spot, not him. He, he stays in the same place. He's always in a good spot. He's always ready to connect, but he will not communicate unless we have some deep commitments to him in our heart that are evident. This is true whether or not you're trying to figure out if he's real or whether or not you are trying to follow him because you do believe he's, he's real. I've got to clear the static if I'm going to hear God. I've got to clear it out. So here, here's some important things. I can hear God's guidance when I seek God's glory, not my own. That's a very important thing. In Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, you, you, you see why we were made and why... Jesus Christ bought us back after we decided to go our own way. It says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the work purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. That's why we exist. We exist to glorify God. Now, that is right because something that has been made, it's right if what is made glorifies God. For instance, a painting, a masterpiece of a painting glorifies the artist who made it. I mean, we have a pretty good view today. And you look out and you see the view. And I love it when it's just rained and there's snow on the mountains. That is so majestic. It glorifies the God who made the world that we live in. I was watching uh, this week, both my parents ended up in the hospital at different times. My dad couldn't let my mom outdo him, so he ended up going in as well. So I was watching an echocardiogram, and I was watching the heartbeat, and she's taking the ultrasound device, and she's going around checking out all the different valves. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seeing the valves open and close, open and close. This heart has been beating for 92 years. This muscle has been squeezing and letting go, squeezing and letting go for 92 years. I, I sat there and I said, God, you are amazing. That is amazing that you could design something like that. For me, I find it hard to believe that that just came together. It just all fell into place. I, that is difficult for me to buy. But in watching this heart, it's been worked. How, how do you figure out what it takes to get this body going so I can take a step, so I can move my hands and fingers, so I can think and talk? That is, an, that is we were made to glorify the one who made us. And it's right because when something's made, it should glorify its maker. And so if you want to hear from God, the one who made you, 
You have got to decide that you're going to seek His glory, not your own. You've got to set your heart on Him. Because otherwise, if you're seeking your own glory, and remember that halela that's in our hearts, it has this tendency to inflate ourselves. If you're seeking your own glory, you're blind to reality in some ways. Because you have this inflated sense of self that you're trying to look around and you can't see everything that's going on because yourself's in the way. So one of the key decisions that you have to make at a heart level, and you, tend, you have to make it over and over again in following God, is you have to say, okay, God, I'm going to set my glory aside. You're the one that made me. You made me for a purpose. You made me for a specific reason. I am going to do what you made me to do. Would you show me what that is? In this decision, I want to bring glory to you. In, in the, the person I date, in the person I marry, in the job that I do, in the place that I live, in the decisions, in the ministry that I undertake, I want to glorify you above everything else. And we battle with it, we struggle with this tendency to exalt ourselves, but to make a decision to hear from God and get his guidance, you have to decide to let him be the most important thing, the one who gets the glory. The second thing, you hear God's guidance when, when you live for God's purpose. Now, setting your heart on a purpose, I, I have decisions, and I want my advantage in those decisions. I mean, let's face it, that's the way my heart's wired. I want my advantage, and I can see how to get it. At least I think I can. I can see what I think can do it. And things are pulling at me. I'm, I can get pulled apart in the middle of a decision. I don't know about you. But God, I, I see what God wants. I see what he wants me to think about. I see what I want. My friends say something. They have an opinion. My family wants one thing. Uh, I'm, I'm pulled apart. Only God knows best. If you trust God with all your heart... You trust him to bring the guidance that you need, and you recognize that only he knows what's best. And if you'll set your heart on his purpose, okay, God, I know what I want out of this family. I would love them to do what I want. I know what I want out of this job, but I'm going to set, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to live for you and your purpose. If you'll do that, it will integrate your thoughts on a decision. It will bring things together and allow you to think about what really matters and what's really important. It, it, it just pulls things together in a way it doesn't. Having a pure heart, that's what it means. It's unmixed. It has one motive. A pure heart has one motive. So when we, we're going to sing a song after the message about asking God for a pure heart. When you ask God for a pure heart, you're asking God to help you to have one motive in life, to please you in this situation and to live for your purpose, dear God. Help me to do that. Philippians 3 is, is a passage where Paul's talking about this. And he's, he's talking about a bunch of stuff that brings a lot of status in his society. And he says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it in verse 13, 14. But one thing I do, this is it. This is the thing that integrates them. Forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. I set my heart on his purpose for me. And that pulls things together and allows me to make wise decisions that bring blessing 
Not only on me, but the people around me, it brings glory to God. If I'll set my heart to do what he wants. <clears throat> when you commit your life to Christ, you, you give yourself to him. And you decide to live for him. If you're trying to get direction from him, you've committed your life to him. And this is the way we're wired. We do this sometimes. If you're trying to get direction from him and at the same time twist his arm to do your agenda, you, you will not hear from him. You can't hear from him if you're in a wrestling match with him. In fact, he just won't speak. He's waiting for you to get your heart right, to get your heart in the right place before he says what he has to say. A final thing that we need to do, I can get guidance from God when I'm willing to do his will. John 7:17 7, points out this prerequisite for hearing from God. It says, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. This, is, this prior decision to obey is, is a, you, you will not hear from God unless you've decided to do what he says. For me, this, when I'm making a decision, it almost always involves setting my desires aside. Okay, God, this is what I want. This is what I see happening. I want the best for me. That makes sense. That's okay. It's okay to want the best for you. You can see the path. But when it comes to the specifics, you need to set your own heart and desires aside and ask God to show you the best path. Because many, many times, my best path has been a detour. God's going to take you straight to the thing he wants to give you, which is the best kind of life you can have. But you have to trust him to do that. You have to trust him enough to be willing to do what he says. That has There's two aspects to this. A commitment to obey him. James talks about in his book in the New Testament, he talks about uh, not hearing a word, not reading the Bible, and then walking away and forgetting it. You, you remember it. You do it. You set your heart to do it. Have you ever been given instructions or have, been, have you ever given someone instructions? And you can tell they don't plan to pay. They're not going to do this. They're not, they're not trying, you know. So you're just wah, 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 wah. And, and they're, yeah, boy, I can't wait till this is over because then I can go do it the way I want to do it. Have you ever been there? Or have you ever received instructions that way? I've done both. Um, God's not going to continue giving the guidance. If he doesn't think we're getting serious about doing what he says, acknowledging him in all our ways and setting our hearts to obey him. That's important. God just won't won't talk. Then finally, another aspect of this second aspect is there needs to be a decision to put your heart in neutral, at least put it in neutral. It won't be in neutral. The most emotion charged decision that I think I've ever made is whether or not to, to marry my wife. I'm sure the same was was for her. And one of the things I knew I had to do if I was going to hear from God, I had to be willing to let it go. I had to be willing to not marry her. But see, so so much of the time we get in a decision, there are a lot of emotions involved, and we've got our pedal to the metal. We're moving forward. And we've got to be willing to put it in neutral and say, God, I need to hear from you because this looks good to me. This is what I want. But honestly, you're the one with the perspective, I need to hear from you. What do you want? What is it that you have to say? And acknowledging God in our ways, having a pattern of obedience is crucial to hearing from him. 
as well as having a heart to do what he says when he says it, whether or not it's exactly what you want. God gives the guidance that we need. Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. He really is. If you haven't yet committed your life to Christ and you're listening this morning, you're here this morning, you're listening to this, to hear from God and to know that he's real, what you need to do is you need to to say to him, God, I am willing to obey you. Would you please show me that you're real? I'm willing to do what you say. Jesus said it. If anyone's will is to do his will, he will know whether my teaching is true. You'll know whether he's God. But you have to make a decision in your heart that if you find out that he's true, you will obey. Many times there's one thing or two things. There's things in us that we don't want to give up. We don't want to change. We like doing life our own way. We like doing life the way that makes sense to us. And so... As we're trying to figure out whether or not Christianity is real, whether Jesus is who he said he is, there are these things that hold us back. And so we have objections and we have reasons for not following Christ that aren't on target because they're just a smokescreen. We really just don't want to give our heart to him and change. So in order to hear from God, you've got to be willing to change. You've got to be willing to make him boss and say, you're in charge, God. I will do what you want. If you're a believer here, you're a Christian who's walking with the Lord, there may be static in the lines between you and God. What you've got to do is set your heart to do what he says as well. You've got to live for his purpose. You've got to seek his glory. Devote your heart to him. God, I don't know why you haven't come through on this yet, but I trust you. And I want to know what you think about this decision about what you want me to do here. Give me your guidance. God will make your path straight. He will take you right to the life you've always wanted. He, he will make it good. may not look like, may not be the picture of the life that you thought. You know, we're painting our own picture of the way we want our life to go. But he will take you to the life you've always wanted if you will trust him with your whole heart. We go right toward that rather than had to end up in the detours and circle around over and over again. If we'll trust him, he will guide us to the life we want. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word.